Um, okay, and then we have a return of our favorite Twitter account. Cool Youth Pastor, a.k.a. <laughs> at Mudden for Jesus. Yes! <laughs> Yeah, well, Anthony was saying, like, it's good if you if we have to, like, do something around the house, like, go to the bathroom or something, put her in there so for, like, mm-hmm. 15 minutes so she knows that every time she goes in there, she's not going to be in there for fucking hours. So it helps mm-hmm. her kind of just, like, get used to it. So, yeah, like, I have a dog, tell- everybody. I have a yeah, dog. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to tell our listeners about your big news? Yeah, I have I have a dog. Um, Shania and I got a dog. Her name is Jinx. She's precious. She is very small right now, and we don't know if she's going to get big. So we're hoping that she does. Um, she's a shepherd mix, so we'll see how it goes. I, I think she's going to get big. Her paws are fucking huge, but I don't know. Christian, you're up. You got to get a dog now. Stay yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty selfish, so I'm pretty selfish, so I don't know how that would go. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see that going well, honestly. What are you sipping on? Good sir. Water. Water oh, with really? no ice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. raw dog in the water. Just raw dog in water, baby. No drinking during the week. Nice. Is that like a resolution for you? You just you just decided. Eh, I've been kinda not really drinking during the week for a while now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, feel like I was it. just having a drink when we were doing our podcast, but then I figured the people deserve to see me in a clean and sober mindset. That's good. Yeah. That's when you really bring your A game, you know. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome or welcome back. Um, we're your hosts, Blake, Christian, and Trey, and this is totally biased music. And um, we hope you enjoyed last episode. We fucked around putting in music and posts. I thought it sounded pretty good. Um, so we're gonna keep trying to do that going forward. Um, but anyway, today. Trey has picked out King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard Omnium Gatherum for the album that we are talking about. So brief Apple Music intro. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard are so free-ranging that the Melbourne shapeshifters usually devise a firm concept to corral their vision from album to album. Not so with their first ever double LP, which began as a gathering of miscellany left over from previous writing sessions. Even that loose guiding theme fell away when more writing and recording ensued resulting in an epic journey through King Giz's recent sweet spots. Opening with the 18-minute prog punk odyssey, The Dripping Tap, Omnium Gatherum weaves naturally through organ-driven hip-hop, eco-minded metal, falsetto synth-funk, and kraut-rock-inspired wig-outs. Such a whiplashing showcase of contrast might sound extreme, but this particular double-decker is consistent and accessible enough to serve as a mid-career retrospective forged entirely from new material. So I think that really fucking hits it on the head because goddamn this album was a whiplash. It's uh, a lot going this, on. Yeah. So why did you pick this album, Trey? And when did you first start listening to King Giz? Or when did you listen to this album the first time? So I picked this album specifically out of their catalog because it just has so much going on. Like the first time I listened to it, uh, I didn't really know how to like feel about it. Um, whiplash is a good word to describe it. There's just you know, the, the almost like beastie boys esque hip hop tracks that are in there, the like very strong, like psychedelia, um, prog rock, uh, a little bit of math rock, which we love to talk about on this show. (laughs) Um, so that's why I picked this album out of, out of their catalog. Now King Gizzard, we started listening to King Gizzard 
in 2014 when I saw their name at the very bottom of the Bonnaroo lineup. And I was like, I don't know what that band is, but that's the coolest yeah, fucking name yeah. I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> and they were the first show on Friday, like a 1 p.m. set. Um, so if you remember, that's when we took the uh, Puker Rally sign. And nice. on the back of it, it had Sin Red Bull. And that's where we got our very first Red Bull was at that King King Gizzard show. And we went, and I was like just so pleasantly shocked at how great the show was and how great they were. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be like a super fan by any means because their lore is like nuts. Uh, they've had 22 albums in the last 11 years since they started Jesus as a band. Um, they put out five albums last year. They put three out in October of this year. Uh, this was the first, like, so they had one album that came out like on a vinyl exclusive, but it's still a full album um, early last year. And then this one came out like in late April, early May. Um, and I found the track Ambergris, uh, which is also the name of a tipper song, by the way. Um, but I found the track Ambergris. Yeah, a little fun fact for you. Uh, <laughs> it actually has whale sounds in it, the tipper one does, because um, Ambergris is like a type of whale. Um, all right. Yep. There's another fun fact for you. <laughs> We're just learning all kinds of shit today. Um, but I saw that song on a playlist, uh, like one of my like combo Spotify playlists with somebody. And I listened to it and I thought it was really, really interesting. So then I listened to the whole album and I was like, I think that Christian and Blake might enjoy this or they might not really enjoy it. Um, so I'm really curious to see what you guys think. I'm very excited to review this album. Nice. Um, Christian, yeah, what do you think? Great choice. Oh man. Okay. I don't even know where to start with this. And it was not, it's nice knowing that, like their other work is I think more consistent, like album wise, because this was a lot to take in just based on the variety of genres that are here. I mean, it took me four solid listens to like really get through this and start to, to actually appreciate a lot of this album. Um, it was the first time that I've ever heard. I mean, I'd heard of them. I'd heard you mention them in passing stuff like that, but I've never gotten into their music at all. And I will say for, a lot of it, I was pleasantly surprised. The first half, uh, at least in my opinion, I won't go too deep because I know we'll go go into this a little bit more. But I honestly hated the first half, like the first few minutes, the first listen, because from a kind of like jam perspective, it was really more listenable than what I hear from like bands that are jammy. From a lyrical perspective, I was like for the love of fucking God, like it's fish again. I was like, here we go. I was listening to some lyrics. I was just like, Oh, I was like, I, this is going to be tough. But like second listen, third listen, it just like, it's one of those that I think you kind of have to develop a little bit of an ear for when you get mm -hmm. into and just reading about them in general and going into depth about the amount of fucking albums. And we can talk about this later, but cause I want to kind of touch on, to create that much music at a certain point, it, are, are you doing it to just put fucking music out? Is there a vision right. behind it? I think it like made me question myself because specifically for like electronic music, I'm like, why the fuck aren't these artists putting out a uh, fucking song a day? Like what, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. And then I get to, to this, listening to this album and I was like, is there vision behind this when you're putting out 23, however many fucking albums? You know, but, but all so, in all, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of these tracks. Well, good. Yeah. A lot of their albums are like concept albums that stay in the pocket of a genre. 
Um, yeah. So like, there's an album that I like a lot called Butterfly 3000 that came out like in early 2021, uh, and it um, it's all based off of so Stu McKenzie's like the the front man, and it's all based off of he's in the studio one day and like played this one guitar chord and was like that sounds mm-hmm. really cool. Um, when you like put this filter on it and then they made a whole album based on like that sound or like they have an album called Nonagon Infinity that the whole album like connects and loops kind of like uh, every uh, what's that Michael Minard album that does that that's really good that you actually enjoy um, even Fuck if it isn't right passing by behind your eyes no even if, <laughs> <laughs> even if it isn't it's even if it isn't right so they like all they, like loops together so, so a lot of times garage. a lot of times there is a strong purpose behind like their records but this album specifically like there they were just like hey we, we've been working on all these songs let's put these all together in like a double lp and just yeah, kind of it, like the, the concept of this is there's no concept which I thought. Yeah. And which was awesome. It just for, for like listener value made it extremely difficult because I think through the, at least maybe I'm remembering listening wrong, but like through the first few, it was like, it seemed like there was some similarities between tracks. And so you've got this like ear for it. Their jam in general, when they're going in on songs is also so, so multi genre that the second that my ear is getting used to something, they throw some shit in there where I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> was that? And it's like, I, I don't even know what to do. And then I kind of have to like jump back in and it's fucking, it was really interesting to listen to though. Um, yeah, I, first I do want to say, I do now that you say that I want to say, I remember when we got that first red bull at Bonnaroo from the send red bull sign. And I just have to say, at the start of that festival, we told ourselves if we get one Red Bull, one Red this, Bull, it was worth it. We got cases of Red Bull. We had Red Bull DJ set at our campsite. I'm, I made lifelong Red Bull friends. I got a job in college with Red Bull from that fucking sign. So just shout out to that said Red Bull sign because it definitely worked uh, ten times over. But um, yeah, Red Bull in first... your fridge for like months after that. Months, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah, this album was very, it, it was jarring. And I do have a little bit of a, a bone to pick with you, Trey, because I really like this album. And I think partially is because there are like six songs on this album that sound like Portugal the Man songs, bro. They sound so, I'm so glad Christian heard it too, dude. I'm yep. so glad he heard it because I thought he was going to be like, no, they don't. Yeah, there are multiple songs. I even made a list as I was going through. So I was making top and bottom. I made a separate category of Portugal the Man sounding songs because there were Is several. Red Smoke on there? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. specifically that song. I was like, this sounds like fucking Portugal. Yep. And so, um, yeah, but it is be- like, say what? I was saying, maybe I just need to listen to more Portugal Demand then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds like In the Mountain, In the Clouds. That's the album okay. it sounds like the most. But um, like Christian said, the first tracks start to like form a cohesive sound. And then Gaia, which we'll talk about later, is where it really throws things into like Gaia. a whole different direction. And I was like <laughs> listening to this on the way to the gym and Gaia came on and i was like am i li- did this turn into shuffle what the fuck happened bro i thought the same thing i thought like somehow i'd hit some weird button on my phone that turned it to just like summoning demon music i don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah so i will say i i wish i had known going into it that it was the type of album that is 
a whiplash like this that it bounces around because I think mentally I would have been in a place where it's like I was I'm not expecting one thing but when you hear three tracks that are similar and then it goes into something like that and that kind of happens multiple times they build like a sound and a theme and then it's like it switches out of nowhere which is really cool it's a really cool concept it's just not something I was prepared for um but as a whole I mean I got to tell you I, I liked it so with that being said Trey do you want to lead us off with what songs you like the most the top three yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to touch on like Gaia uh, and the other like hev- like super heavy ta- song like Predator X, like this is the only way that I can listen to like heavy like heavy metal type music as if it's sandwiched in between other stuff. So it's like a little <laughs> small taste. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I'm the same with drum and bass, where it's like I like a, a drum and bass track in a set. You know, maybe right. it's not a small taste. That track was not was nothing small about that track. I just think comparatively, as like the album as a whole, it's a very small chunk of the album. I'm pretty sure it came on and like crows started to circle overhead. (laughs) The fucking sky turned red. A red cloud just descended upon (laughs) you. Okay, so my uh, my number one track is the one I talked about earlier, Ambergris. Um, I think it has like a really cool like funky little bass line almost it, it almost sounds to me like the bass line sounds like something SDS nine would make. Um, and you said it's earlier, it's something about fish Christian Trey Anastasio fucking loves King Gizzard and the lizard wizard. It's like his favorite mm, like, yeah. band that's putting music out right now. <laughs> no surprises. So, yeah. He heard the lyrics and was like geniuses. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, so I like that song a lot. There's a line in there. It's like every night I dream that you'll see the harpoon that I've grown to need. Um, I think that line is like really, really cool. Um, it's just, he's basically just making himself a whale. Um, the second track is the, the drip, the dripping tap, the opening song. Um, it's just 18 minutes of like a raucous jam, uh, you know, jam band, not King Gizzard is not a jam band by any means, but jam bands really struggle to kind of like put the magic of jamming into like a recorded, track Um, it's not something that really any of them are good at uh and i think this is like a really good example of how that can work and apparently that was like the first song they recorded after like covid that they were all like together um yeah i was worried when you when you initially said this album and you're like strap in because the first song's like 18 minutes i was like Oh God! See that no. I did warn you about. So I yeah, you did, and it was like, actually, listen. and it was actually like a good jam, and I don't fuck with jam at all. Yeah, it shifts a lot, you know. So it sounds yeah. almost like two or three songs in one. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think the dripping tap is really good um, and masterful. Uh, and then uh, my third top track is "Blame It on the Weather." I think the chorus is really cool. Uh, and there's also a line um, that says "K hole spiral through space and time." Um, nice, you know. <laughs> So I think Very that's nice. kind of neat for anyone yeah. who might, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, so but those are my top three. Nice. Christian, what about you? So I have, um, it's interesting because the ones that I have, at least the top two, or they remind me of other artists. And I think that's why. So Persistence is my, my first, uh, my number one. It had kind of like a white stripes type of feel, like an old school white stripes feel to me. And then it went into my second favorite track, which is the Grim Reaper, which is like from a synth and like hip hop perspective and the synth that they kind of bring in towards the second half of the song. It's like this clash between fucking Beastie Boys and Limp Biscuit, And I was just absolutely in love with it. And then my last one is uh, Presumptuous. Um, 
just fucking killer. And the lyrics on that, I think were ones that I loved the most. So presumptuous with tongue in cheek, so presumptuous belittle me, so presumptuous falling at your feet. So presumptuous. Don't agree with your negativity. N- nice. Yeah, yeah, man. You it was just like it dominated. <laughs> we know this. Yeah, that is well known. We know that this. I literally well. have a shirt that says, "If you bully me, I'll come." <laughs> um, Solid tracks. Oh, so, honorable mention was Red Smoke because it reminded me of Portugal. So I had to throw that in there. Um. Yeah. So, top tracks for me. Number one, obviously Gaia. Right. We've talked about this constantly. How. I really enjoy music like this. I love heavy shit. Um, so I enjoyed Gaia a lot. Um, it was an, a dramatic shift in the tone of the album, which we also talked about. So I just liked its placement, and I just liked the song as a whole. I could listen to that song repeatedly. You could definitely listen to it in the fucking gym. Um, so it's a, it's a great song for that. Um, Magenta Mountain I thought was a beautiful song, um, just the way it's constructed, the way it's put together. I really enjoyed listening to it. And then... Evilest Man is up there, and I put Evilest Man, what I put in parentheses was there's a lot going on in this song in a good way, and there is, like, a lot happening, and it's kind of chaotic, but it's in a way that is is put together and formed really well. So I think that they do a great job with that in Evilest Man. Um, honorable mention... The the dripping tap obviously I think is phenomenal. My problem with King Gizzard or with this album, I need to listen to more King Gizzard is their lyrics are really repetitive, like throughout the whole thing. Like it's very, very repetitive in a lot of songs and I get tired of it. Like the main lyric and the dripping tap, like when and, and they don't sing the dripping tap and towards like toward until like the very end, the last five minutes, but it's just like non-stop repeating and it's like all right i'm fucking i could have gone with just like the jam and you guys could have left it at that so but i do really like that song and then the songs that sound like portugal to me are blame it on the weather persistence presumptuous and red smoke um so if you like those songs Trey, you said blame it on the weather is one of them right or was that christian that said blame, blame it on the weather is one of mine yeah, it sounds like a Portugal man song. It sounds specifically like In the Mountain in the Clouds, so you should definitely give it a listen. But those songs, I was shocked to hear that many songs that reminded me of Portugal Man in it. Um, so those are all all honorable mention for me. Um, but yeah, just Gaia, Magenta Mountain, and Evilist Man really take the cake for me. Nice. Yeah, Evilist Man doesn't surprise me that you like it a lot because I think the whole, like, lyrically, I think it's like a satire about uh, Republican demagogues. King Gizzard is pretty political in a lot of their, um, a lot of, you know, they have a lot of, uh, a, a lot of climate change commentary and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. I think Evilist, Evilist Man is, is kind of that type of like satirical, like, I want to be the Evilist Man. I want to be yeah. a yeah, piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> um, okay. How, um, how do you feel about your bottom tracks? Could you pick a bottom three? I picked three bottom tracks. Be proud I'm of me. Where's so my clap at? Oh, you're there. I'm oh, so you're proud there. of you. <laughs> but, but the reason that I picked two of these tracks is because I think that they are like the lesser versions of things they do better on the album. So my number one uh, bottom track is Predator X um, because I think Gaia is like a much better like heavy yes. track than yes. Predator X is. Um, so I think they just did a better job on that track. I think Predator X is a little simple. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's a little dank, it's a little heavy for my dainty ears, but, uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, the second track that I actually just flat out don't like is candles. Um, I think it's goofy. It kind of sounds like a J like a glade, like candles jingle maybe, or something weird. <laughs> like it sounds like a little, a little commercial jingle. Um, and I just, I just actually don't like that song. And then number three, sorry, Christian is, uh, is grim reaper. Um, because I think that Sadie Sorceress is like a way better, like rap album or rap, excuse me, rap song. It's like, I think it like hits the beat better. I think like he actually raps pretty well on it. Um, and that's really the only reason, like, I don't actually dislike the song. It's just not, not as good as Sadie Sorceress. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) That's definitely fair. Um, yeah, I mean, you're definitely right about the, it is interesting now that you say that. I didn't even really think about it, but they do have songs where, like, they kind of hit on a similar theme as a song earlier, but one of them is just always better than the other one. Um, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Christian, what about you? Bottom three. Yeah, one and two, um, Predator X and Gaia. And the reason is a little bit oh, from what Trey no. was saying. It's like because they kind of clash against each other as these, <laughs> like, they're both these same types of songs. I think it takes away from each one that they're both on here. And it's just too fucking it. I love heavy stuff, but this is not the genre of heavy that I like at all. It was fucking not it for me. <laughs> and then I have a tie for three for candles and funeral. But Trey was saying like fucking, it sounds like a candle fucking jingle and funeral. Just like, I wanted more for like from like a last track after like going through this fucking journey. It's like you, know? you made it to the end. You should have something yeah. epic at the end. Yeah, yeah. I was like, God damn it. I was like, you gave me an 18 song, just minute song to start this out. And you end with this fucking song funeral. That's just like, meh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Should put guy at the end. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so this is going to break Trey's heart, but then otherwise I, I pretty much agree with you guys. Um, but Ambergris, I don't like it, and part of the reason I don't like it is because of what I talked about earlier with the repetitive nature of <laughs> by Christian. <laughs> uh, because of the repetitive nature of their lyrics, like it just gets really repetitive to me, and like I just find it kind of just slow and boring compared to the rest of the album it just like i was my my borderline millennial gen z attention span just couldn't handle it like i can handle an 18 minute song when they're really fucking getting into it but like a short song that's kind of slow and repetitive to me i'm like all right let's fucking wrap it up um (laughs) maybe i need to get an adderall prescription i'll enjoy it more um and then sadie source is it sadie sorceress um Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's funny that you brought up the rapping. Um, I was actually I wrote, very curious how you were going to feel about it. <laughs> I fucking hated it. I <laughs> wrote in parentheses, do not fucking rap, you shitty knockoff Linkin Park, is what I wrote in parentheses. <laughs> it is so fucking bad. And this is like, this is the problem with these artists, like, whether it be King Giz or, or listen or people that don't rap, like trying to rap in music that doesn't call for it. It just automatically turns me off and I do not fucking like it. Um, and then the funeral is, is the last one because like Christian said, as a closing track, like I just expected more and it's like, it's all over the place, man. And it's not all over the place. And, cool way like evilest man is it's like 
it's like when they started like scatting over jazz music and there was no rhyme or rhythm to it that sounds like what's happening in the drums in that song it's just like random fucking it reminds me of there's an american dad clip where jeff comes back as an alien and Haley's like, here, why don't we play your favorite fish song? And she turns on a fish song. And he's like, oh, turn it off. The drummer's just waiting for the guitarist to do something. Like, <laughs> I can't remember that. That's what this song sounds like to me. So, uh, yeah, those are my bottom three. Hey, off topic, but speaking of American Dad, have you seen the American Dad episode where Stan becomes obsessed with Jim James from My Morning Jacket? Yes. Uh, okay. I went back when I started re when I started listening to all of my morning jacket. I hadn't seen that. It was Odin forever. And I went back and rewatched it. And the song that he falls in love with Jim James is um um Touch Me I'm, Somebody Touch Me I'm gonna scream part two, which is <laughs> the song I sent y'all when I would like sent that long paragraph about like how it's this beautiful song that like transformed me as a human being. And I didn't know that until I went back and watched the episode and I was like, yeah, that fucking makes sense. <laughs> You and Stan, you're exactly alike. Exactly. Big Republicans. Yep. Um, huh. Yeah. So what did you what did you think of our uh, thoughts on that, Trey? Are you surprised? Or I'm, it- I am. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm really glad that I feel like we all kind of did some real good research on this one. Um, and I feel like y'all listened to it with a critical ear, and that's all anyone could ask for. I feel like you really enjoyed it in some ways, and you didn't like it in other ways. And, you know, maybe I'll turn King Gizzard fans into you yet. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more I like about it than I don't like about it. That's for sure. Would you go to a show, Christian? Would 100. you go to a King Gizzard show at Red Rocks? Like, if someone gave me a ticket for free, or like, <laughs> I bought, like, I have to buy a ticket? You make good money. You can buy your own ticket. I know okay, how much yeah, money. You make. Yeah, yeah, man, I'd definitely go for sure. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Speaking of ticket prices, so uh, quick sidebar: Lil Wayne announced his tour. Um, I, hold on, can we can we hold that topic? Yeah, okay. Right. Well, we'll yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, all right. Um, okay. Anyway, do you have any anything else, Trey, on King Giz before we go into ratings? Like any articles or anything you want to read or anything you want to um, talk about? Yeah, I don't really have any. Art. I wanted to ask you before you got into like an article. Why or are you chewing like that? on your hoodie like a fucking autistic fifth grader? Hey. I just like to do it, bro. I can't help it. <laughs> don't, don't mess with him. He looks I good. Was, yeah, hold I'm, on. While we're I'm talking nervous. about things Christian's doing, he looks the the blue light glasses with the yellow hoodie work really well. I just want to point that out. Oh, word. Yeah. Hell oh, yeah. They do. Yeah. Oh, we steezing it tonight, man. We got to try to match choice? up for y'all. Yeah, 100%. You look like 2011 Derek, which I love. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> I just got to start balding horribly. Oh, it's bad. Um, I was going to ask, like, do you think that takes away from a creative process or like the art that they're actually putting out to put out that much fucking music on such a consistent basis? I mean, you, cause you've, you've gone into more of their discography than I have, but that's just so fucking much music. Um, I don't know how to say this without sounding pretentious. So I'm just going to say it. Right. Um, <laughs> I think that he's that prolific of a songwriter that he has this many ideas to put out. I think it would be easy, like for a band to do it, and it not be artistic or it not be purposeful. 
Um, but I don't think that's the case because like, there's just like the three albums that they put out. I was talking to our friend Zach about how we were doing this album. And he was like, why are you doing that album? It wasn't, it wasn't even the best album they came out with last year. He wanted me to do, um, the one that's like ice mushrooms, fire demons or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> hold on, I'll get you the exact yeah, it's title. Super prolific. You're right. Of course <laughs> it's called ice, death, planets, lungs, mushrooms, and lava. That's what it is. Um, and it's only seven songs and it would have been a lot easier for y'all and you might have enjoyed it more. Um, but you know, I want us to have a little bit of a challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, I don't, I, I don't, I think that like, he really is that great of a songwriter. Um, and like has, I think they have that much talent where like, they just, they do like marathon long, long sets where they'll play three and four hours, like straight, like no set breaks or anything. They did it twice at Red Rocks last year where they played for six hours. Um, they took eight set breaks. Yeah. What they was took that? A set I break found it said in 2019, a study conducted by the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance ranked the band as number 21 in a list of the hardest working musicians. It was earned due to the number of live shows they played from January 2018 to August 2019, totaling in 113 live shows. Damn. That's minimum, baby. Like, what the fuck? And they're That's not crazy. a jam band where they're like, you know, they're not just getting up and their main thing is doing live shows and doing improv. Like, they're, yeah, like, yeah. A, they're like a rock band, you know? Well, That's insane. Also, a lot of artists, like, this is specific to up-and-coming hip-hop artists, but, like, if you look at, like, Post Malone's early career or someone like Chance the Rapper's early career, like, and even MGK when he was a rapper – it, MGK used to brag about how he did like 198 shows in like 195 days or something. Like they, they when artists are kind of on this cusp of like up and coming and they are hard workers like King Giz is, then it's like they want to keep playing shows as much as they possibly can because one, yeah. it's a huge stream of revenue for them, but also they're reaching people that they they wouldn't reach otherwise. I mean, like even bands like pigeons pigeons used to do that too when they were like when i was in college they were playing fucking everywhere all the goddamn time yeah and, and king is also like since they're from australia you got to think once they get out of australia like right. from a financial perspective it's probably a lot cheaper for them to like just stay out and tour with the yeah, yeah. And things. yeah. Um, but yeah no i i think it's purposeful i I think they're probably one of the best bands out right now, honestly, as far as like putting out new music and that kind of stuff. So Yeah, to do it and do it consistently with purpose. Like I, I don't know mm -hmm. really anyone who can or is doing that. Yeah. Right. I do wanna say touching on like having you brought up an interesting topic of like releasing that much music in one short span. Um, Future, who I know you guys probably don't listen to, but Future released Monster, Beast Mode, 56 Nights, and Dirty Sprite 2. Well, I guess Dirty Sprite 2, actually, that was when it was on Spotify. So, really, he released 56 Nights, Beast Mode, and Monster all within, like, a six-month span of each other, which, like, with hip-hop artists, when they do that, every time they do that, I'm like, these are going to be shitty. Like Chief Keef mm -hmm. has put out like 37 projects and like six of them are like <laughs> projects I want to listen to. I mean, shout out Chief Keef. I fucking love him. But, but future with that three run span, those are like considered some of his best projects ever. Like monster and beast mode are widely considered his best projects. And 56 nights has March madness on it, which is one of his most popular songs ever. So sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's kind of like a high risk, high reward thing. Like when you put out yeah. that much music, it's like one, are people going to have the attention span 
And am I going to hold the interest to for them to listen to this much music in this short of time? And two, is it going to actually be good? Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's fucking not. It just kind of depends, I think. I feel like they have that type of devoted fan base at this point now. That's like they can they can do it, and people are going to tune in no matter what, just because like they appreciate what the band's already done. They're right. also pretty big in the vinyl scene, so I think they make a lot of money off of like they do like a like I think this album had like six different types of vinyl released where they were um, you know like limited edition things like that. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, um, Future is definitely a lot more prolific than King Gizzard, but they're kind of, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He really is. <laughs> I mean, everybody he really is. Um, was it Future that we saw at Buku before Pretty Lights? I'm pretty sure it was terrible, whoever it was. Oh, man. that's. Do you know what year that was? It was 2015 because it was the last time that the Analog Future Band played together. Analog Thank Future God. Band? Ha, ha, ha. Um, oh god, I hate you. <laughs> no, 2015 was um, Bass Nectar year. Bass Nectar, ASAP Rocky, STS9, Portugal the Man. It's actually a really good lineup. Grammatics on it. Hell yeah. Bobby oh, maybe it was 20, maybe it was 2016 then. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hang on. 2016 was Pretty Lights, Kid Cudi. Oh, and Future. Yeah, Pretty Lights yep, headlined yeah. one night, Kid Cudi headlined the other night, and then Future opened for Pretty Lights, yeah. I gotta be honest, I don't remember that. I do remember Crystal Castles from that year, because I love Crystal Castles, and that shit was insane. I remember uh, sitting like, down during Future. Yeah. I mean, look, fucking hip-hop artists performing live, it's always hit or miss. Damn, this used to be a good festival, man. What the fuck oh, happened it was to cool. it? It was a great festival. I, still, I'm seeing Jid. I'm seeing Jid and Smino, uh, like February 10th at Mission. Really? It's gonna be fucking oh, wild. Dude, that's, that's like be next sick. week. What yeah, I didn't know that. What? How much were tickets? I mean, they were regularly priced when they went on sale, but they're like they're they're 200 now. bucks now. They're not now. You said it was at Smino and and Jid at Mission Ballroom. <laughs> it's gonna be fucking bonkers. What the fuck? Tickets are still only forty five dollars. No, they're not. I'm looking at AXS right now. I'm, oh, there are no tickets currently available. Fuck. Hmm. Shit. Got thanks, thanks for giving me a heads up on that, Christian Preach. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just pay attention to the music scene, the city you live in. What the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> okay, Trey. Um, King Giz, Omnium, what is it? Gatherum. 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 Mm-hmm. Omnitempo Maximalism. Um, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> other, Otherside.com. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going later this year. Um, okay, what do you rank it out of 10? Um, I'm going to give this album a solid 8.5 out of 10. Um, I think there's a lot of high points. Um, I think its cohesiveness definitely knocks it down a little bit, as well as the bar that King Gizzard has set for themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think 8.5 eight and, eight and is, a, is a solid rating. Fair. Christian, what about you? I'm going to go straight seven. I was pleasantly surprised. It's enough to like get me to go and start listening to some of their different projects, possibly ones that I think I'll like be into a little bit more because it showcase like so fucking much. Um, so I'll give it a solid seven. I appreciated it. It was a good album. Trey, good pick. Thank you. Yeah, I'll go seven and a half. I did like, I, I personally like the fact that it fucking bounced all over the place. I thought it was cool. Um, there are just some songs like we talked about that, did not do it for me in the sense that the other songs that they tried to do that did it for me better. Um, so yeah, there are some songs that I could do without, 
but seven and a half for sure. And I need to listen to more King Giz. Um, I will say, like we talked about them releasing this many projects in a row, it does kind of worry me a little bit, but you have vouched for them, Trey, so I will trust your assumption in that. Wow. Well, you know, I do have a question for you all before we move into Rise or Dies. Um, are we going to get a Jinx appearance right now? No, she's fucking better be asleep. God damn. Um, uh, so when I sent you guys this album, were you like, oh, fuck, here we go? Or were you like, no, I, I trust was just stoked it wasn't Pine Grove. <laughs> just stoked it wasn't Pine Grove. That's it. Um, so I wasn't, no, I wasn't like pessimistic about it all. I mean, I was excited because I haven't, I haven't listened to them enough. Um, and like Christian said, I expected a douchier pick, but then I think you realized when Christian said last week that, or two weeks ago, that if you do that, that we're just going to rip you to shreds and you're going to look like an idiot. So I think that kind of changed. Then I trusted like, okay, he's not going to want us to like listen to something that's not good. Cause then he's going to, yeah, I was going to give you all a new Tremel Cotel album. That's like critically oh, acclaimed and I knew you were going to hate God. it. But then I was like, they literally won't listen to it. I was like, there's no way they won't make it through two tracks. They'll like text me and be like, you're out, you're off the podcast. <laughs> also, I think I'm gonna like rename my my PP King Giz. <laughs> you know, I was wondering how long it was gonna make, take for you to make a dick joke involving their name, and I'm very impressed that it took 36 minutes and like 15 seconds. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I had to save it. I had to get all the serious stuff yeah. out first. Yeah. Uh, um, cool. Okay, so we're rolling into rides or dies. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to try sharing my screen again. Um, if it doesn't work, I'll have to edit again like I did last time. Honestly, um, I think you should just throw it in post in general. It sounds so much better, even if we're quiet. It does, but it's just a lot of work on my end that I don't really want to like part I'm happy in. to help and do it, you know? Uh, you know, so hang on one second. Let me see if you guys can hear this. Um, your song was, I know there's an answer, correct? Yes. Can you guys hear this? No, we cannot. All right, man. You know what? Fuck technology. Fuck computers. Fuck all this. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me try one more thing. Don't do YouTube because it sounds bad. Um, I'm not. I'm going to do screen and share system audio. There you go. You can hear that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if they're going to be able to hear it in post, but I guess we'll see what happens. All right, Trey, talk about your song. All right, so I picked I Know There's an Answer by the Beach Boys off of their um, highly, I'm going to use the word acclaimed twice, acclaimed album, uh, Pet Sounds. I picked this because, A, I just watched Love and Mercy, um, which is a documentary about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys um, and kind of his like battle with uh, mental insanity. It's really good. Y'all should watch it. Um, but this song originally was titled um, Hang On To Your Ego, uh, but the rest of the Beach Boys thought it was too druggy, so they asked him to change it to I Know There's An Answer. Uh, there's a lot going on in the song as far as, like, layers, instruments. There's some animal sounds in there. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like a soft song, which I wanted to offset my album pick with. Um, and I'm curious to hear what you guys thought of it. Blake, you want to play a little of it, and then we can go from there? Yeah, let's do it. Now what can you tell them? And what can you say that would make them defensive? 
can't wait for when we watch the video again and it's just us bobbing our heads to nothing. <laughs> Bruh. That was so funny. <laughs> um, Christian, what you Oh, I fucking hate it more than anything <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. I just don't like the Beach Boys sound. I can't. And now that you told me that he originally had named it something and that he was such a pussy, he let his bandmates can ter- like literally tell him to name it something else. I hate it more. But I love you, Trey, and that's all that matters in this yeah, life. Yeah, that is all that matters. I understand. I just kind of really needed something for you to hate. That's why I picked this. Okay, fair. Go ahead and um, get the official dies. Oh, it fucking dies. <laughs> um, first off, I'd like to say, so you watched the documentary. I didn't watch the documentary, but Carly, my sister, for those of you that don't know, made me watch that goddamn biopic about him. Yeah, and that's what it is. I, it's a biopic. I just, yeah. Just, if it's the same movie, which it sounds like it is, I will never forgive her for making me watch that movie. It is the... <laughs> saddest one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life i think it sent me into a three-week depression that i literally physically <laughs> mentally could not pull myself out of it is fucking sickening and tragic and i literally bring it up to her probably once every like six months like hey remember when you made me watch that god-awful movie i'll never forgive you for making me watch um you're talking about paul dano and, and uh, john yeah. cusack yeah. yeah yeah that movie's fucking awesome dude it's horrible it's horrible in the sense that look i understand the Beast Boys were great, and he was a visionary, but his life is incredibly depressing and sad, and I don't want to fucking watch movies like that, all right? Because it was real life, and it happened, and it's fucking tragic, and I don't want to watch it like that. So, Carly, if you're listening, I still think about that. I'll never forget. People don't forget. Um, and with that you being said... And with that being said, I also hate this fucking song. Here's the thing about 60s music. It's uninspiring. It's boring. It's it's repetitive. There's not enough going on. It's 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 the same thing with the Beatles. Everybody thinks the Beach Boys are like this. I think Rolling Stone put Pet Sounds as like their number one album of all time or number two. And it's like 60s music is just uninspiring, man. It just got so much better just, after the fact. And listen, I'll say there's it, not I, a worse word to describe. 60s I can music. I can accept the fact that they paved the way in a lot of different ways, okay? And I can I can acknowledge how monumental they are as artists. Doesn't mean it's that fucking good. So this song fucking dies. And you know what? That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, for two. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, listen, I had to get the hate from somewhere. So but, uh, like, the song rules. The Beach Boys rule. Pet Sounds rules. The Beatles really fucking rule. And I'm sorry that y'all have, you know, y- you just don't respect history or the classics. That's not my fault. Let's move on to the next one. Like Christian, um, I don't know where the fuck I was going with that. Um, Okay. Me either. So my song was Universal Soldier by Jay Electronica. um, And this is off. Oh, I've seen my mouse twice. It was throwing me off. Um, This is off his first album um, when he moved to Rock Nation, um, a written testimony. So the funny thing about this album is. Jay-Z had to basically pull a watch the throne on this album and rap over like half the songs. I think he's on like, there's 10 tracks. I think he's on like eight of them. There's like a Jay Electronica verse and then a Jay-Z verse because he just couldn't get Jay Electronica to write fucking music, which is crazy because Jay Electronica has this crazy lore around him. Like he allegedly got like 6,000 beats or some shit like that from Jay Dilla. He's been touted as like one of the greatest of all time from people that know rappers, but like he 
was taking forever to put out this project and Jay-Z and Jay Electronic in interviews have talked about like how patient Jay-Z was with him because he knew that he would create something that was worth listening to. Um, so this is one of my favorite songs in the album. I really like the album. I would just like to hear more of Jay Electronica um, and less of Jay-Z because I know Jay Electronica has the ability to, to make good music. So I'm going to play a little bit of it and then I'm going to get y'all's take. Okay, hang on. The son of slaves, who I started out as a peasant. That's why I build my temple like Solomon in the desert. The Lord is my rock. I speed out through a lot. My trials in the fire, the crucible made me hot. Okay, so Trey, you can lead us off. Yeah, I'm going to give this song a dies, and let me tell you why. Um, <laughs> okay. For a song that doesn't have Jay-Z listed as a feature, and the whole song basically revolves around Jay-Z's verse, and Jay-Z has a closing verse and has a fire bar with the I was trying not to end up like Tony in the restaurant. Yeah, I love, the Sopranos. That. Oh, love that fucking line. Sick. Um, you know, the like the speech at the beginning and like, I get it, you know, us military bad and whatnot. Uh, it like, it's just not impressive from Jay electronica. And I still kind of hold it against Jay electronica that Kendrick mentioned him in the control verse when he had no right to be in there. Um, and that's not really his fault, but I'm never going to forget it anyway. So this gets a dies from me. See, that's the thing about Jay Electronica, though. He has this weird lore around him where people like other hip hop artists think that he's like one of the he's like your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Like, I don't it's just I don't know. His story is a crazy story. Um, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, this is not for me, just in terms of the rap music that I generally like anyways. It's this like. Slow reminds me of like older school, old school kind of like styled rap, which is like, um, what's the, like the pace of it, which I'm just not a huge fan of in general. It just wasn't like huge, huge on it. It's a die. Sorry, Blake. I also love you as well. That's all right. Um, I do want to mention briefly, um, my favorite Jay Electronica line. It's in that Kanye song on Donda that he's featured on. But it's earthquakes will strike this nation for what Bush did to Rwanda, what the Clintons did to Haney, Haiti, and Downing Street did to Ghana. That line is so fucking hard. Oof. Yes, it is Oof. so fucking hard. Like, it's it's great. And he's he makes a lot of music like that where, like, I mean, he's a big Nation of Islam guy, but a lot of it is really political in ways that a lot of times I don't understand, but you can tell is important to him and the movement he believes in. And so it's, I think it's part of the reason why I'm kind of drawn to him. Yeah, he's um, not a fan of colonialism, huh? He's uh, he's really not. And you know what? N- neither are any of us at the Totally Biased Music Podcast. I want Absolutely that to be not. I we're want that to be down to colonialism type of gang here. <laughs> yeah, we're not cool with that. So, uh, Okay, Christian, what do you got for us? So I have a track called Doorman by this uh, like French electro house producer called uh, Sebastian. Look <laughs> on the house forever. <laughs> I actually initially heard about it from this. So this producer, Vegan, V-E-G-Y-N, remixed it. And Vegan is this producer, DJ, graphic designer who actually did production work on Frank Ocean's Blonde and Endless. So that's kind of how I stumbled upon this Sebastian through this remix that he made. I like the original better. Um, So, yeah, that's my track of the week. Nice. Let me let it ride for a little bit.
Chris, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give this a hard rides. Um, it's kind of sexy. I could ask for a little right. more from like a drop perspective towards the end. Um, yeah. Just to kind of anchor like the vocals, but it is lovely. Um, and it has made its way onto a playlist for me. So, Fuck yeah. yeah give it a hard I mean, that chorus, let the, let the doorman see you out. Let the doorman see you out. Like, peace, motherfucker. I'm sure you resonated with that a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's also rides for me. It is great. It's it's really weird that little like crunchy, like this crunchy sound that it has in yeah. the head points. Like that shit is like it's kind of jarring in a really cool way. Um, so I it's I like really, this like hyped up lo-fi crunchy weirdness. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> it's really cool. I like it a lot. Um, also, sidebar just for the segment as a whole, Trey, that song you brought to Rise or Dies la- last week, I have listened to probably 50 times since you sent it. <laughs> I literally cannot stop listening to it. It is so fucking good. And that's kind of what I expect you to follow up with, something of that caliber. But I can't expect that much greatness every time. You know, that's on me. Because I gotta be honest, I don't remember great. what song it was. What song it, was it? It was the um, that song with um, Freddie Gibbs on it, Night Rider. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Song, yeah, yeah. That this, whole album, dude, is fucking yeah, the whole album sick. I would want to do the Thomas. Uh, I wish probably just do that album one day. Um, also, I do this thing in my like songs, which is songs I'm listening to periodically at the time, and Beamer Benz or Bentley's on here, and I've been listening to that song like once a day, and it really gets me hype. Okay, anyway, um, that was Rides or Dies, and we will link the tracks down below. Give them a listen. Um, Yeah, and now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Trey to bring us home back to where we all belong. Actually, I think I'm going to – you know what? Never mind. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trey's Terrible Twitter Takes. My name is Trey, and I'll be your host this evening. I love that fucking Blake was giving you just this amazing intro. Yeah, what was going like on this, there? This is Trey, you know, Trey's bringing us back know, home man. to where we belong. And then he killed it. And he <laughs> no, just killed dude. it. I know. I, Trey, Trey, I'm going to have to cut that. I'm going to have right, to cut that. Gonna, right, yeah, I like it. I like, <laughs> it, I like, it, I like <laughs> it. All right, so I'm sorry to give this away before I said it out loud, but I wanted to share my screen so you could see this tweet. Um, so this is just a picture of a spider with a hat on it, and 1985 is a drum and bass label, just so y'all know. So it says Alex me. Perez's drum and bass label. Yeah. So it says me. Ooh, gross. It's a house spider. Spider removes headphones. I'm actually more of a drum and bass spider, to be honest. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, all right. So the next one is uh, is kind of a little bit poignant towards you two. Um, this is from George W. Bussy into Zed's Dead <laughs> Belly Up, aka at Manda Fabes. Um, George W. Bussy says people really moved to Colorado and complained about the snow slash cold. Like, do y'all not understand where you moved to? <laughs> okay, bro. Listen, it's just like I'm. I'm fine with it. But the second that February hits, I'm like, wrap this shit up. And so is anyone that lives here. So are natives. Anybody says this. You don't got to get over it. You live in Colorado. It snows there. I can still complain. (laughs) (laughs) Tomato, potato. Okay. Like, here's why I wanted you to hold the phone earlier on that, on that topic. Um, From Iron City Beeham. Just announced Little Wayne takes over Iron City on April 24th. Tickets go and sale Friday, uh, January, or February 3rd at 10 a.m. The reason I bring this up is, 
Lil Wayne's playing Iron City. It's like a 1500 person cap. What the fuck happened? I saw. Well, here's the thing. Wayne is like a. He's like a notorious non-tourer. Like him and Eminem and Jay-Z, to be honest, they're all kind of like non-tourers. And I think that's just like probably the venues that he, one, he knows he'll sell out. Two, probably doesn't require a ton of production. And three, it's just like, honestly, when he plays those bangers in those small fucking venues, if he's playing all Carter songs, which it seems like he's going to be doing because it's called Welcome to the Carter Tour. Um. Yeah, those venues are gonna go the fuck off. So I think it was actually like a, a choice. I mean, I mean, it sounds sick. I'm just shocked by it. It's yeah. probably one of those things where it's like he's gonna be so fucked up that if he sold out like BJCC and he's like an hour late, people are gonna be in a rive. He does this at fucking Iron, Iron City. City and it's fifteen hundred people. You can tell him to go fuck off when he's an hour late, getting on stage, plays four tracks and leaves. Yeah, yeah. that's that's fair, honestly. Yeah, he's playing the Fillmore here, so it's kind of the same yeah. vibe. I think it would be sick. Yeah. All right. Um, next tweet. This is from Casey Fry, a.k.a. at Casey K. Fry, who is kind of an <laughs> internet personality comedian guy. Um, <laughs> he said, felt like if I tried, it'd be easier to figure out how to beat cancer. Like, if that's all I did, I, <laughs> I think I could figure out a cure and why we get it and shit. Like, in a week or two. <laughs> Honestly, same. <laughs> Probably. I just don't think people are putting their mind to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, just think about it a little bit. Um, okay, and then we have a return of our favorite Twitter account. Cool Youth Pastor, a.k.a. <laughs> at Mudden for Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Reminder, fellas, a biblical journey is the greatest BJ imaginable. Eggplant emoji, wet, wet, wet. <laughs> All right, we got two more from him. We're going to finish out strong. This Christmas, let's eat a nice home-cooked meal instead of our partner's ass. I, I, and then for real, the, for real, for real, for real. And then the last banger, a pot puffers. Check this joint out. Why don't we weed out some unwholesome peers from our lives? It's time to put down that good cush and pick up the good book. <laughs> and that wraps up Trey's terrible Twitter takes for the day. Very good. Very good. Thank you. That's the first time we got claps at the end. Yeah, that. that and that one was cheering. It was not clapping. See, the, the clapping is like, okay, we're excited to see you, but then the cheering is you did such a good job that they're they're mm-hmm. cheering now. Um, Lots of affirmation. I respect it. So I want to bring something up before we go to The Last of Us, because, Trey, I want to talk about it. I'm sure, Christian, have you caught up or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, really? Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw this, Trey. You probably saw this. Family Guy is under fire right now on the Twitter sphere over a Nipsey Hustle joke. So I'm going to play the Nipsey Hustle joke and let me let me hear what you guys think about it. Is this a new episode? Oh, we can't hear this again, you idiot. Oh. Yeah, you got to share it right. You didn't share. <sighs> your, yeah, you got to do the whole thing, man. I'm this really, is just I'm a really moment. bad at this. Man. Okay, okay, okay. I think I got it. Everybody just relax. Hang on. Can you guys hear it? Stick around to pick up their yep, award yeah. this time. Okay. I don't know about them, but they're going to have holograms of Tupac and also Nipsey Hussle, who I'd never heard of and then was told to care immensely about. Are <laughs> <laughs> people really giving okay. them shit? Yes. So they were, there was a whole 
thing on Twitter about like canceling Family Guy and how upset people were about this joke. And a lot of the comments, it was like 50-50 of people being really pissed and then other people being like, this is Family Guy. They've done it for years. And also, it's a funny fucking joke. But I think it's funny because like I'm I love Nipsey Hussle, but I didn't start listening to him until after he died because like I didn't hear about Nipsey Hussle until after he passed. And then I was like, oh, I'll go back and listen to it. Um but yeah, what do you guys think? Do you think it's obscenely offensive, or is it a funny joke? No, no it's, it's not fucking hysterical. It's funny. It's not. Yeah, and I, it's and every single person that's up in arms feel is had the exact same experience that you just spoke through. Yeah, and now there's some dedicated <laughs> Nipsey Hustle fans. Yeah, like, yeah. up in arms, and they're mad and they're 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 called out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, The Last of Us episode three. Let's fucking talk about it. Trey and I touched briefly on it. Um, so not in the way that they did in the show, though. <laughs> we didn't like touch. <laughs> um, so we meet Bill and Frank in this episode. Um, big characters in the game. Well, Bill's the big character in the game. Um, in the episode, kind of takes us on a very dramatic post-apocalyptic love story between two men. So obviously, there are a lot of um, closeted gay people that are super upset about it and review bombing it right now. Um, but oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's getting review bombed hard on IMDb. Um, it has like 50,000 more votes than any of the other episodes, and there's like a shit ton of ones out of tens. Because um, people are just like that. But um, so the spoilers for the game and the show, so believe if you haven't seen or played, but they they took a different direction where in the game, what ends up happening is Frank ends up resenting and hating Bill. And so he leaves and steals a bunch of Bill's shit. In the process, he gets bit, um, and then he hangs himself, and he leaves a note that's essentially like, I knew I was going to die trying to leave. It's still better than spending a day with you. Um, so they end up resenting each other towards the end, which is not the direction they went in the show. So I wanted to talk, one, if you guys liked the episode, and two, if you liked the direction they went where – they both essentially live out a happy life and then die together versus still having Bill in the game. So Trey, what did you think about it? I thought it was genius. Um, I think it makes for really powerful television. Uh, I think that like, it's a really cool episode from what we've seen, like, uh, like in the rest of this, this season. Um, it's almost like, like it brings, it, it, it sounds weird to say this because it is so sad, but it brings almost like a level of like levity to the show where it's like showing kind of like some human emotions and like connections that are made like within, you know, this like apocalyptic nightmare. Right. Um, right. And so obviously them dying together is sad. I mean, like the, the, when Joel's reading that note and it's like, we locked the door, we left the window open, please don't disturb us or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's gut wrenching. Yeah, gut wrenching. <laughs> yeah. It really is just gut wrenching. Um, but I think it's beautiful, um, and I it was a, it was a shock that they did that. Uh, not you know nothing to do with like it being some man on man action. It's just shocking that they would divert that much away from the show or from the game when they've like kind of stayed so true to the game so far. Um, and I think it's a pretty bold decision because of that, and I think it worked really well. Nice, Christian. What do you think? Being just kind of like the lover of chaos that I am, I didn't know that about the game. So originally, I I, I love the episode and kind of similar to what Trey said. I, I think it brought just like a sense of levity to it. And, and I don't know much about the game in general. So I'm going in kind of blind on everything. I like that they kind of took this detour and then like brought it all the way back through at the mm-hmm. end with Joel coming back. 
But now that I know the original story, yeah. damn, bro. Yeah. I kind of wish I got to like see that instead. <laughs> Just some fucking like, bitch, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm glad I fucking hung myself. It's better to be with you. Like, that had also been pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I still enjoyed the direction. Yeah, I think it was like, it was a really cool departure. And they have done a great job with the show where... They have touched a lot more on like humanity and human connection. Like all of those those intro clips and all the flashbacks are totally created for HBO. That was never a thing in the game. And so they've just done a really good job of basically harping on the fact that like the big thing in, in the show's world is the power of as corny as it sounds, the power of love and what it drives people to do. And I think they did such a great job of doing that in a self-contained episode that felt like a movie. I mean, it was an hour and 20 minutes, like it, mm-hmm, yeah. its own movie. Um, and I sent Trey like a, a, a comment, a screenshot of someone's comment on Reddit, but they were basically like, Bill and Tess did the same thing in the sense that in their dying moments, like they chose to provide hope for somebody else, which I think is, it just hits the nail on the head. And it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it too. I think yeah, it was weird to see Ron Swanson or whatever his actual name is. And that gay dude from white Lotus, like fall in love. I was like, what? It took me a minute to shake that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, I've seen this guy getting his ass eat by, <laughs> Yeah, uh, a young young boy on White Lotus. So where are we going with this? I feel like yeah. I feel like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, like that character, might actually be pansexual. You know, like yeah. he's that much of a libertarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are no rules. <laughs> there are no rules. Um, what were you even anal? <laughs> Do what? What were you going to say? You were saying something. Oh, I was actually going to say something similar about how I think Nick Offerman did just a phenomenal job. Um, yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, I was very shocked to see him do such a good job. Yeah, he he really did a really good job, and um, well, I don't know. He's been in some other stuff that he like. I know it's obviously not in the same vein, but like when he's the the like chief in like Twenty Two Jump Street or whatever, like he nails that role. Yeah, you know, he's a pretty good actor. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um. So that was that was King Giz. That was The Last of Us. Rides or dies. Some great Twitter takes. Um. You guys got anything else to add? No, I guess we need to pick the album for next week, Christian. Oh, yeah, Christian, it's on, it's on uh, you. What do you got? Fuck, I didn't even prepare for this. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Just get with us later this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll get it to you later, and we'll, I'll post on Instagram, so you check it out there. So follow us, motherfuckers. Yeah, follow our Instagram, for real. If you don't, I'm going to go. I can see everybody who listens to the podcast. I can see their name, their address, their family members, everything. So if you don't follow uh-huh. Instagram and you listen to the podcast, I'll fucking kill you, actually. Yeah, we're keeping you. a list. And if any of y'all know Riley Reed, tell her to give us a follow back. I, I've, sent, I've sent her a about five messages a week. Yeah, I don't know why she's not responding. It's strange. I'd really appreciate it if you don't actually do that. Because we're blowing up and it seems strange that she wouldn't want to be a part of this. So, yeah. yeah, yeah what the fuck? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Um, we will see you guys next week. You guys, I'll talk to you later. And goodbye. Bye. Love you. Bye.